Hey guys, my name is Jason Gilmet, and you're listening to UAP Studies Podcast. This is actually the first um, interview of 2024 that I'm doing. Not sure if that's the first one we're releasing. I think it might be the second one. Uh, Michael is coming, but for some reason, he's not on right now. Uh, I, he's probably being held hostage somewhere today. Uh, but today we're going to delve into more of the European side of UFOs, which is really important because we haven't really covered that aspect of ufology. And it's super important because uh, some of the the history of UFOs, especially you know past the 1800s, there's so much that's happened in uh, Europe uh, that we can actually say, hey, this phenomenon's been going on for a long time. We're not going to find any of that really in North America. I think Canada has one sighting that was recorded in 19 or 1800s, I should say, uh, late 1800s, but that's the only one that we can find. Uh, today, we have a Renata who is joining us from Norway. She is a board member in the Norwegian UFO Society, also known as NUFOS. I do believe that's how you pronounce it here. And uh, yeah, she's joining us today. We have a bit of a time difference this morning for me, uh, late uh, or evening for her. Uh, how are you doing today, Renata? Hi, I'm doing very fine. Thank you. Yes, it's six o'clock in the evening here. So, well, it's awesome to have you on. I've been following you on Twitter for quite some time and have seen you. Pretty much all of like you know your monks you're, you're rubbing your shoulders with uh, or uh, elbows with all these uh, the big names in ufology you're following up and you're you're actually really active and that's what we want we want to see people that are doing that because you guys motivate us to get ourselves going as well uh, but just uh, just so we get to know you a little bit better maybe talk a bit about yourself who you are where you come from and what got you to uh, studying uh, the non-human intelligence that we're dealing with thank you. Yes, uh, my name is uh, Renata. I come from Norway. Um, I uh, am in uh, NUFOS, is a Norwegian uh, UFO society in, Engli in English. It's it's another word in Norwegian, so I'm trying to not mix those two up. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mix it up. Uh, and uh, so I'm a board member there. We're not a big community. We're a small community. Norway is only five million people. Uh, and uh, but that's something that we uh, we don't have full time jobs in this. This is a part. This is not part time. It's something we do on our spare time. So right. we do what we can with with the means that we have, and we also give out uh, a magazine four times a year. So oh, I would, wow. of course, uh, yeah, I would of course a physical magazine you can hold in your, your hand actually. So I would of course um, encourage everyone who's watching who lives in Norway to be a part of our society. And pay the um, I don't know not tuition but you know it's a fee every year it's very so it's very, very similar to uh, MUFON right yeah like exactly. we have it here in North America yeah okay gotcha yeah, yeah. so that's uh, um, that's what I do in the, the NUFOS and um, I of course have a normal job as a construction manager construction uh, project manager all kinds of different jobs uh, that that you that I, that I can have on construction sites and all that kind of stuff. So I, I manage projects. That's what I do. Um, and I also have a part-time job in the army. Oh, nice. Where, yeah, where I am. Um, I am a captain in, wow. in the reserves. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll give you a salute. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Not a salute. When you don't have a hat, you don't salute. You just. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You just well, at least not. in Norway. Yeah, yeah. At least yeah, yeah. in Norway. I'm not sure in America. But. You guys are a lot more laxed over there than we are over here. Over here, we're sticklers for rules, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so you're you're balancing all this. Now, I, I'm guessing, do you have a family? Do you have, like, uh, engagements that also 
you know, because you got a bit of a workload there. Um, But how do you balance that with your UFO research and and your endeavors? Well, it can be tricky sometimes, but I think also it's important that to know that these the UFO um, endeavor, as you can call it, that's very important to keep that away from the two others. You cannot put that in the the military content context, and you cannot, and it's difficult to, and you cannot put it in the work context. So it's very separate right. from the others. But of course, yes, I have a family. I actually have three kids under ten years old. So uh, always, uh, I'm kind of busy. Yeah, I wish I had. You know, I wish the hours were ten hours more every day. That would be perfect. But you know. There's not enough hours in a week. I'm always amazed at people like yourselves that can tackle on so much and yet still have a smile on your face. Uh, I just quit smoking recently and I could bite a puppy in the face. That's how angry I am. (laughs) This is, you know, uh, but it's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, Now, one thing that I'm curious about, because you mentioned that you work for the military. Um, Is there any conflict of interest there between the military and your, your private life investigating UFOs? Um, yes and no. Um, I guess I would say the conflict in that is you have to, it kind of, well, what can I say? It kind of, you have to be aware about what you say and do, I guess, because when you, you work in the military, you can't just go off criticizing your own employer, your own boss, your own commander. So you have to be careful about that balance. You have to make sure that you don't yeah do something that would be embarrassing for for people so i guess that there's a balance there it's not like i can't talk about this or do this research it's, i'm allowed to do whatever i want on my spare time right. but of course you have, you have there's a balance there and you have to be aware of that and you can't mix up those two uh, sides of my life kind of you have to keep that separate what that's sound advice um as far as the norwegian uh, army is concerned do they investigate ufos or do they leave that more to organizations like nufos or independent researchers like yourself well i don't uh, think they do to be honest uh, i don't work in the in the branch i would say there's this is not a this is not a, it's a no topic i would say Right. You know, in, in America, in, in America, there's a topic that you can discuss and you can have, you know, because you have a lot of not not you, you're in Canada, but Americans have a lot of sightings. There's a lot of things going on. So you can discuss and have an open dialogue about this. Right. But in Norway, nothing really happens uh, when it comes to the military and UFOs, as far as I'm aware. And uh, and that's also, I think, one of the reasons why it's just not talked about. So I think uh, if you try to talk about it, it would be you would I think it would be frowned upon. I guess so there's still oh, really? a lot. Of, yeah, there's a lot of stigma in Norway, and this is an absolute. You don't really talk about it, it like in the military context. And when that said, I don't I don't know anything. I don't think we actually have any big secrets. We don't. I don't think we know. I don't think it's like like we have. Oh, we we know all these kind of things, but we keep them a secret. I don't think so. I just think it's stigma. Yeah, and, and few sightings in that context. I mean, we're not a some some say you know there's a lot of sightings around nuclear weapons and stuff like that, nuclear plants. And we don't have that in Norway. So you can say, is that a reason? I don't know, but there's not a lot of there's not a lot of talk going on about that. I would say right. the, the funny thing is though, I actually found um, a video from the 1990s. And it turned out that there was this captain, no, he was a major, he's dead now, unfortunately, but there was a major who had uh, a job in the military and he's 
part-time as as uh, one of his jobs in that position that he had was actually investigating ufos mm. yeah and i was like wow we did actually have that in the 1990s we did there was that's cool. saw, yeah i saw him in this documentary and i was like oh where is he when someone told me i unfortunately passed but uh, so we did at one point what so, we do have now i don't think we do no yeah i would think that the the belgium wave would have sort of stirred things within Europe um, and the surrounding countries. Now you're, you're mentioning that Norway's sort of been the stigma still there with UFOs and uh, non-human technology or presence, if you will. Uh, but as far as you know, your understanding, like in Europe, what's the general consensus of the population when it comes down to this subject? I think that, um, I think it's, Pretty much the same, I would think, like in Norway, Sweden, Denmark, uh, France. Uh, I think it's about the same. Yeah. But I think maybe France is a little bit more. They've had some studies. There's this very one famous study. I don't remember the name, but it's pretty old now, 20, 30 years ago. And there were these uh, these uh, military officers that um, made this report. It seemed like it was a government report, but it wasn't. But they had all been working in the government, in the French government, and they made this huge report. Where it's where it said we, the conclusion is that UAPs are are extraterrestrial technology. So they there, I would say they're one of the up and they were at least uh, in the front. And of course, there's the Belgian wave where you had the military in the in Belgium going out and uh, saying this, they were going out having press conferences, talking about this, this is real, this is not fictitious, this is happening. And uh, so they were, uh, during the Belgian wave, they were, um, yeah, up in front and center. Uh, but I would say like Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, I think it's pretty much the same. We don't yeah. generally talk about it. It's frowned upon, it's a lot of stigma. So yeah. It's just if you talk about it, it's more like they just oh look, there's a plant. Let's talk about that plant instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Let's just talk about anything else but the subject, which is anything weird because yeah, one of my biggest influences, and we were just talking before we started recording, is is Jacques Vallée, which you know when I was a kid and I watched Close Encounters of you know the Third Kind. I, I was French Canadian. I, I had a really bad accent. I probably still do. I don't know. I can't tell. But um, Jacques Vallée was like, oh my god, this is amazing. It's a French guy. You know, because usually in American movies, it's always an American that leads the charge. In this case, it was a a, a French guy that was basically uh, Steven Spielberg's homage to Jacques Vallée, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I just thought that was cool, but I don't know many other French people besides people maybe in Quebec that are investigating this and have a name in ufology. I mean, it seems to be mostly English-speaking people that we hear from, right? Yeah. Which is, it? that's a problem, uh, Renata, because we need to have a global like a global awareness of what we're dealing with and yeah. global community and i think you know even part of this podcast was to establish that yeah uh, all day long like there's big names you know on my phone and all day long i send them referrals and names and contacts because i want them to succeed i want them to reach out same with yeah. other podcasts it's very hard in the podcasting world especially on the ufo side because mm -hmm. they're all competitive and I'm not going to include myself in that because I get gas, I put them out. And if they reach out to me, they want the gas, I'll give them the info. Yeah. But it's hard. You're, you're, I'm not going to get that from them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, you can yeah. tell there's still that I need to be the one that breaks the news. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially now, like what's going down in the States is that you got people that are trying to be the one that's going to bring disclosure. 
Hmm. Right. Um, it, it, and people know who I'm talking about, but it's frustrating because hmm. there's not going to be that one person. It's a group. It's a global effort. Um, you know, that whole thing of being the hero of, or the champion of the cause, that's not going to happen. It cannot happen. Um, it, it needs to be talked about as much as we can. And the people that are coming out, the whistleblowers should not sign exclusives. Cause then what happens is that networks get exclusives for those interviews to get the hits and the views. Mm -hmm. And then they don't allow these people to come on and talk to us, uh, mm -hmm. smaller podcasters about what's okay. going on. Right. Yeah. So this is, is going on right now. Cause you can see it's like big, big business that's building up, right? People are making money from this and there's a good reason why they're doing what they're doing. But again, it's human nature, the corruption in our, in our nature to make money, to be the one that everybody looks up to. Yeah. Uh, and, and I tell everybody all the time, I, I'm just a normal person. Do not look up to me, but pay attention to what the guests are, are, are saying. This is the point. Uh, it's mm. just to educate ourselves, not to promote ourselves as I'm the champion of disclosure or ufology, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, that that's that's the mindset in North America. But mm. in your area of the world, for those who are studying this, like, are you guys working well together? I guess I would say that in Norway, Norway, the, the community is, is so small that there's really not any competition going on okay. because we have we have new foes and that's mostly it. Right. Um, yeah, that's it. And then you have Sweden. I know that I know that they um, they have uh, like a new force, but it's actually bigger. And okay. uh, I think it's more organized and uh, it's been been around for a couple of more years than ours, I think. Right, right. So it's a, a bigger community in in uh, Sweden, but I don't. We don't have any. You don't. You know, we don't actually have any podcasts uh, about this topic in Norwegian. So we don't oh, have really? any. No, we don't. It's nothing. But you need to start one. Yeah, it's on you now. It's yeah, on you I know, now. You know, yeah. pe people are, people have said that, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, well, I'll see about that. But um, yeah, it's... I would have to. Speak, I would have to speak Norwegian just to have a different. Um, you know spin on it because a lot of podcasts are already already there and they're speaking English. So yeah, we'll see. So there's, know, no, with, there's not a lot of competition in Norway when it comes to this topic though. <laughs> I was gonna say with Chat GPT, Renata, you probably would have the uh Chat GPT translating everything for you anyways. You know what I mean? So that's uh, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, but it's it's definitely I, I mean I've noticed the podcasting stuff is mostly uh, like a North American thing. I mean, they're popping up everywhere. Yeah. There's some like 4 million podcasts in the world, 4 million. That's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah. But in your country, that's a niche. That's a niche yeah. thing. Talk about UFOs. Like you could definitely be very successful um, if you started that for sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe. We need yeah, one in every country. We'll branch yeah. out. You'll be the UAP studies of uh, yeah, yeah. of Norway. How about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I was doing my research um, on this, but first, before we get into the Norway incidences, um, something got you uh, mm -hmm. interested in investigating this. Uh, obviously, you're a very intelligent person, um, you know, for the work that you do. You work for the government, you work for construction, and it, it's amazing. But something triggered you to get into this. Could you explain to us what it is that drove you to become an investigator? I think that I cannot pinpoint one exact um, episode or something that happened, actually. This is, I've always been interested since I was a kid, I guess. Always interested in the things that we don't talk about. What, right. what is this? You know, it's, no, it's, uh, 
we can't talk about it or it's we it's like stigma around it and i've always been attracted to things that i guess uh, to look to look at things from a different perspective okay so people say this no it's we don't talk about it and i'm thinking mm, really why not so so i guess i have that kind of inquisitive uh, spin on things and i want to look at it from my own perspective so i've always been interested in this what is this so I, I cannot say this happened and that's why I'm interested. I wish there was. I wish I saw, wow, so this huge UFO, you know, changed my life. Unfortunately not. It was just me always being interested. And of course, uh, you know, time passes, things happen in your life and goes, interest goes up and interest goes down. And it, it went on like this. And then after 2017, when I realized and I saw this, uh, oh, this episode, you know, with Luis Alessandro and the... Um, uh, stars the, the academy oh the yeah, yeah yeah to yeah, the stars you know, yeah the, yeah the documentary that went, that went on tv i don't remember the name of it but when that came on and i saw that and i was like oh, i need to get into this again of course you know i've always thought there's this is really interesting and i saw that and, I, and after that i just couldn't i couldn't look back i just that was it for me when i saw that and i thought you know th this th this there's really something to this so many credible witnesses how can you how can you look at this and say no it's nothing and I went, you know, I got to investigate. And um, and then I watched, I went on YouTube and I found uh, Need to Know podcast. Right. And they kept talking about Twitter all the time. And I was like, oh, Twitter, do I really need to? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go in there. And that's why I started Twitter because that's Bryce and uh, Ross. Brutal, brutal that you got, you jumped into, into Twitter. Did yeah. you know what you were getting into? Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> it's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but, but I, I don't tend to look at the brutal things. I just, I just swipe, you know, I don't, the, I, that's, yeah. I guess that's kind of thing that I would, you know, recommend to people. Just if you give attention to things, it will grow. So if you yeah. give attention to negativity and all that kind of chaos, it, it will grow right. for you and you. So I, when I, I see it, you know, I'm not blind, but I try to just swipe away. Yeah. I find that it's, it's, it, there's people that post really good content, um, the one I think this week, I, we're recording this on January 7th, but this week there's the whole Miami police incident and everybody's, oh, there's a nine foot tall alien. And that's what like, the, the problem that I have with this, Renata, is that people post black and white, uh, either video footage and big names are equally important uh, in this because they do it themselves but they release things that like you're looking at the computer. Like, what am I looking at? And you need somebody to describe to you what you're looking at. That is not self-evident. And as far as I'm concerned that this, that's dismissible. It's not good, solid investigation, right? Like, Oh, the rumors. And I talked to a guy who was downtown. He was homeless. I'm like, Oh yeah. Well, the, you know, um, yeah. when, when we do investigations, especially with MUFON um, there's tiers that they classify people. Like if you're an engineer, you have a higher credibility score than somebody who's homeless, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is that people don't factor that in anymore. They just take it for what it is. Somebody posts them on it and all of a sudden it spreads like a wildfire mm -hmm. and it, it hurts our. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It hurts ufology. It's not, yeah. it's not a good thing. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that the reason why is because I've, I've thought about this and contemplated a, bit, a little bit about it. And it's when, when you have a topic that you're interested in, information keeps coming in if you're interested in cars new information is going to come out you know this car is coming out this airplane is coming out there's a new fishing rod or whatever there's always something new coming up and in this topic you have these huge voids of nothing mm -hmm. 
And that's the reason why there's so many things going into this topic that's not really interesting or it's just like you say hyped up really big because there's nothing yeah. so you have people with all this energy all this uh need to know want to know and they're really engaged in the, engaged in this topic and then there's a void nothing and then it's really boring and then people are like hmm what are we going to do what are we going to say and then and then that kind of things those things trickle down and you get all these nothings out of very small things and that's sad but it's it's kind it's a bit understandable as well because you have these huge nothing periods when nothing's yeah. happening. So, and what do people, you get a bit desperate, you know, you want to talk about it. You want to, you want to engage because you're so interested, you're so interested. And then the smallest things that just woof, becomes huge topics. So, yeah. And I think with a lot of people, they focus on only the big news. They never focus on the smaller stuff, right? Like just educating yourself on maybe subjects yeah. or topics cases that you have never known before you could do that in between the big chunks but one thing that you know i tell people all the time on twitter especially if they're you know really well known uh in the sense of like sharing things is don't jump on the bandwagon right away even if mm -hmm. the news breaks out you don't need to do an episode that night and say hey this happens because people will eventually go this guy's wrong about everything he jumps on everything and there's no analysis of the situation. Like for me, I look at a video and it'll take me like two weeks to make up my mind on whether or not this is real because I'll investigate it. I'll ask questions. Um, one video came out uh, on Twitter and I posted it like, is this real? And then people just, oh, you're an idiot and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm asking. I'm not saying this is real. I'm asking you if anybody knows anything about this. And like I said, just that attacking all the time, that's, why we notice Twitter is not necessarily the best place for, um, you know, talking with everybody, but it's, it's actually really good for, for knowing about people that I've never known about yourself yeah. included uh, yeah. because there's, there's people that are putting out logical things out there that should be reviewed and they're not getting the attention that they deserve because the whole system's flooded. Like you said, with nonsense, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, there's tons of videos that have been proving time and time again to be fake. And yet they show up again. And some guy's like, hey, check this out. Yeah. And I fall for it too, Renata. Like whenever there's like a yeah. fake vid, a lot I've fallen yeah. for so many of them. I get so mad at myself. And then I get I, mad I, at I've them probably, for I've probably done it myself once yeah. or twice. You know, I've seen a video and I was like, oh, it's really interesting. But what I do at least, I don't say this is real. Yeah. Sometimes I post like, like, like an emoji when you're thinking because I'm thinking about it. What is this? I'm interested, but I try to stay away from being 100% certain about anything yeah. because very few people are 100% certain about anything about this topic. So I'm trying to very to stay out of this. I know 100% because that's not very smart in this topic. You, you have to, I think, is a, something we should say a lot more or in my opinion, because that's what it is. A lot, yeah. a lot of the time, it's just our own opinion. It is. And it's hard. It's hard human nature being what it is we'll always yeah. throw in our opinion in with I, i'm guilty of that myself as much as anybody else um before we get into the, some of the sightings and events have taken place in norway i'm curious i'm i'm really focused on studying for my own personal reasons uh the uh abduction phenomenon but i'm just wondering in norway if if that's a thing that's even talked about or is it something that's just like taboo that nobody ever talks about we never talk about this at all <laughs> Oh, really? Eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, UFOs, it's a lot of stigma. Of course, we have, a, you know, there's there's online uh, site and places and you can talk about it and such, but I, I don't do that much. But, you know, people who, 
there's there's stigma around it and people who talk i've never heard about actually an abduction case in norway but that being said i don't actually look for it i don't this is not something i look for i spend a lot of time doing Mm. but i have to say i haven't really heard about that um so it's i think it's rare and uh it's not talked about unfortunately it's uh, or or fortunately Mm. if people are you know being abducted that's you know i'm all for that yeah (laughs) So, so, but no, it's not a big thing here at all. Like, yeah. so, but socially, like in, in like the culture of Norway, if mm-hmm. I was there and I was like, Hey, I got taken last night. Like, how would I be received? What's the, I guess, I guess if you, you took, if you were in contact with our organization, we would listen to you and we would ask you questions. So we would okay. document it. Nobody in our organization would go like, Oh, you're, you're, you're lying or whatever. We would of course, listen to you. But I mean, there's no really nothing you could do except except you know talk to us, talk to your friends and family. I mean, if you went to the police, said about like, oh okay, write a report and never hear from us again. So it's just not talked about. And that's also one of the reasons actually why I was so interested in this. One thing is like the nuts and bolts and the future and all that kind of stuff. But what about the, the injustice that's happened to so many people? Can you imagine? If, if abductions are real, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not 100 percent, but I'm very up close to this is probably a thing that's going on. OK, let's say it actually happens. Think about all those people and, and, the, and the experiences that they've had and how injustice, how the injustice that they feel that they're being conflicted and they can't talk to anybody and they go to a shrink and they're like, oh, you're crazy. It, it kind of irritates me. It gets me frustrated and a little bit angry because I think it's a huge injustice to so many people. And uh, yeah, so that's also kind of fires me up a little bit like, oh, you know, I don't like it when people, people experience things, see, see things and they're being ridiculed and stigmatized and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge thing. And uh, a lot of things are going to be happening about that. If, if disclosure happens, can you imagine all the people coming forward saying, saying things, wanting to talk to the government, you didn't believe me, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, well. And you, you got to think how many people experience this that have never said anything that is just yeah. in the woodworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the whistleblowers coming out and saying, look, we have uh, non-human biological entities. Mm-hmm. That proves that within these crafts is intelligent life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, to what extent, we don't know. But if somebody says, I saw a craft and I saw entities, now you cannot dismiss either one. They both come together. And this is the part is that we have to assemble this to the public with what's happening right now. We're talking about disclosure. We're saying, Hey, these things are in the sky. They're in space. They're in the water. Yes. But they're also in your bedrooms, right? Uh, We were talking to a bunch of people in the CIA and military and they wake up in the middle of the night and they have three little guys or five little guys in their bedroom. And the next day they know they're taken. So this is happening to the military personnel the defense mm. contract personnel, the same as it's happening to us, the civilians. So when this comes out uh, of the bag, it's like, I think we're decades away from the media covering that aspect. I think we need to first accept that they're here. That's priority number one. Now it's mm. not for you and I to accept, we've already accepted it, but it's for the general population because to them, it's almost like a religion right? Like you're imposing a religion on them. Like, let me talk, yeah. like I'm knocking on doors. Can I talk to you about our Lord yeah, and Savior, yeah, yeah, the yeah. UFOs, right? Um, but that's not the case. And but people need to know that it's not about a religion. It's not about a faith. It's not about a system. It's about there's something going on and something's not right. 
we all know this. We all sense that something's not right. It doesn't add up. Uh, and, and that's that's really where we're at, I think, in 2024. It's just, it's public awareness is what we're doing more than anything else is yeah, just yeah. waking up the masses to, there's more than just your nine to five job. Yeah. Um, you know, there's more than just Netflix. There's There's something yeah. above your head every night. You're not aware yeah. of it. But also one thing that's very important when you, because that's also one of the things that I, I'm very interested in. And one of the things that I, that I would want to happen is that, like like you said, more people are in, interested in this. More people will engage in this topic. Yeah. More people will have, have their eyes open to, oh, this is actually something. And what we have to do and what we have to be careful about is not pulling them directly into the rabbit hole. Because... I want more people involved and I want scientists involved. I want politicians. I want military personnel. I want, you know, all those kinds of people. I want them interested in this topic. And that's also one of the reasons why I try to stay a little bit away from the woo. If you go and talk to people and, and your goal is to get these people interested in this topic, to actually have play a part in this, this disclosure, this, you know, opening of, of uh, information, I would just encourage people not to go like, all the way into the rabbit hole because you have to start at the white place. That's why I stay away from, you know, time travel and that kind of stuff. I'm not saying it's wrong. And I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not dismissing people who talk about this. I'm just saying, if you want people to be engaged in, in this topic, you cannot go up to people and go like, you know, you know, aliens and time travelers and interdimensional and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I try to stay on the ET topic because I want my goal is to get more people involved in this. And people have to start at the right right step. You can't jump 10 steps up and go like, you know, you want to come up with me? You have to start at the right place. So that's just something I, I, I think about a lot. That's why I'm trying to keep it more extraterrestrial and that, and that kind of nature. You know, um, you, you, you just said something really wise there. That's actually really good advice. Um, mm -hmm. If you're going to introduce the subject to somebody, ease them into it. It's almost like dating, right? Yeah. Date. You don't propose on the first date, right? Yeah. Like you, you got to build it up. That's a, yeah, that's good. That's really good advice. Actually. Um, I try to do the same. Like if I meet somebody, I don't throw them into the woo, even though they ask me questions, I'm just like, face yourself, you know, like we don't, uh, we don't need to go there just yet, but yeah, some people just jump right into it. And then before you know what your eyes are cross-eyed, you're like, I can't, I've met people that every theory, like project Bluebeam, and everything's all thrown in and I can't make sense of how they came up to that conclusion, mm. uh, but everybody's different. Now, uh, I was researching Norway UFO incidences on yeah. Google, of course. Not that I could find, um, you know, everything on it, but I, I there's some good cases. Now, obviously, um, uh, the, the big one is the Hasdalen. Is I pronouncing that correct? The Hasdalen? Hasdalen. Hasdalen, yeah. Um, this is really cool because it started in 1981, which is when I was born, so... It got my attention there. And it was just a series of sightings. People would see these orbs in the sky, sometimes one, sometimes multiple. Uh, and they would do maneuvers in the sky. They were quiet. They never made any sound. And this is a small town. There's a, you know, it's in the southern part of, of uh, Norway, or at least closer to the south of Norway. Yeah. But interestingly, interestingly, because I've started noting this pattern, uh, it used to be a former mining town, right? Mm -hmm. There's iron and um, there's something else there as well. I think it's copper. Mm -hmm. uh, some people had considered, well, maybe the iron and copper, if you mix it in with sulfur, if it's in the water, would create 
so some sort of ionized, um, you know, electric, it's like a battery, right? It's like a yeah. charged battery. But uh, I heard the scientist who was investigating saying, uh, you know, if it, even if that was the case, you would only get one volt mm. out of that. You would not be able to get the voltage that you would need to create those lights. Plus the electricity would go off every once in a while whenever these lights would appear. So um, can you tell us a little bit about this case or what you know of the case so far? In Hastal? Mm. Yeah, well, in Hastal, it's not just one case. It's continuous cases. Okay. So uh, many years ago, uh, there were a lot of sightings in Hastal. I'm not an expert in Hastal, by the way, but a lot of people have seen a lot of things there. Lights in the sky, moving around, all that kind of stuff, like orbs and such. But also some people have said that they've seen craft. Okay. Genuine, genuine craft. Uh, and sometime in the 2000 or prior, they set up this um, booth with a camera. So that's a continuous, you can go online, I think, and find it. And there's a camera that's always been, that's there and, and filming in, in direct um, live, live. So, um, and they see, sometimes they see these orbs and they see these lights. And some people say that it might be some kind of uh, scientific phenomenon that occurs naturally because of, like you said, the different materials and such in this area. And other people say, no, it has to be some kind of craft or some kind of intelligence. Um, and the conclusion is still that we're there that we don't know yet. Right. I, I will not come. And the, so it's still ongoing. There's still, there's, that booth is still there. And people are still trying to investigate and trying to find out what it is. Right. Someone said it had, had some kind of... Um, similarities to skinwalker ranch i wouldn't say that but it's still it's still like an area where where there are things happening that they can't really understand but it's mostly lights in the sky so personally for myself i do not know what the answer is i would like to say you know it's uaps it's non-human intelligence but i'm not sure about that I'm, I'm thinking maybe it is some kind of natural phenomenon however also there are there are uh, cases where they see these move in ways that they cannot explain and also it's a bit funny when you read the report from 1980 something it says whenever we need the equipment the most it fails on us yeah when they're trying to film it whenever it, we need it the most it fails and, and the conclusion says it happens so often that we think it's important to have it in our study and i was like hmm, i've seen that somewhere before but i'm, I'm not sure I, I don't have a conclusion on that um and also you know if people have seen craft there it, you can also have something that's going on naturally in an area and someone would, oh, this is interesting. You come over with aircraft and have a look at it and go past. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're always right. there, but I'm not sure. So it's a big question mark. I've been there twice, actually. Oh, really? I was, yeah, I was actually on a, in my engineering school. Um, the people who have this booth, who have this project, they were actually two teachers at my engineering school. So for some reason, I don't know why, but apparently I've, you know, told people I'm interested in this. So they asked me, someone asked me, do you want to come up to the science cap? So I was there as a, as a science cap sitting on top of that container and looking at, you know, these spectrometers and going like, I didn't understand anything, but I was an engineer. So I was like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. You just did not. Yeah, yeah. Classic, see, classic. Yeah, really good. <laughs> I didn't see anything. The funny thing is, though, when I was there, a Discovery Channel was there and had a documentary. So the funny thing is that they, they mixed the tape up so it looks in the documentary. I'm in a documentary for two seconds and it looks like I'm actually seeing something. 
So you see me yeah, they do that. style, you know, and they say, oh, we saw something. And I was like, no, I didn't, but they mixed it up. So they do that, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, yeah. Even I was, uh, you know, whenever I do a shoot or two for, if it's a documentary or a show, like you could tell it's, it's set up, right? Like they yeah. got, it's scripted. Um, yeah. Was one of your uh, uh, professors Erling Strand by any chance? Yes, he was not my professor, but he was at the school. I didn't have any classes with him, but yeah, it was Alan Strand. Yeah, because, yeah, he's been uh, investigating this for quite some time. Um, the only thing that I think about these orbs, which is weird, is one, the maneuverability of some of them, like the way that they move, is not the way ball lightning would normally work, or even if it wasn't ionized something, um, it would just go up and maybe be there for a bit and then dissipate. But these would stay there for minutes, yeah. you know, half an hour on end, and then they move which I've not seen anything in nature. I mean, I know I'm 42 years old and I've never seen anything do that in nature. So if I was to see that, it'd be like, oh, wow. But the odds of me seeing that repeatedly is impossible. And uh, supposedly back in the 1980s uh, till 81 or something, it was over 20 sightings a week, 20 sightings a week. Like if, if it was ball lightning or whatever, like you would have the conclusion to what it is by now. But the fact that we still don't know, the fact that it's it was affecting the power lines every once in a while whenever they popped up and the way that they move, just it warrants more inquiry. And, and some people are quick to dismiss it because they don't want to, uh, it's got to be a logical explanation. We all do that, right? If you can't explain it, you come up with some sort of theory to make you sleep at night. But in this case, uh, what I found interesting is that mines are a huge, especially with those resources, are a huge spot for these orbs. Mm -hmm. uh, I my sighting when I, I my brother and I we we had a really close encounter. It was in a small mining town, and yeah. I talked to miners, and uh, miners at night see them all the time. They mm -hmm. follow the mining trucks on these dirt roads. Uh, there's a, it's a very rich like sediment deposits in a wetlands that's about like half an hour away from me, right? Mm. A lot of minerals, the orbs show up there too. Oh. So there is a connection between mines, natural resources, and the orbs. Mm. The crafts show up later, but it seems like the orbs are almost like a recon of what um, resources are there. And Renata, it makes sense. Like if you're uh, uh, from somewhere else, and you need to build something. You're going to get the resources from where you're where you're from. Like if we go to Mars, we're going to get our resources from Mars. We're not going to come back to Earth and grab some stuff to go back to Mars. Like we have to make do with what we got. I mean, eventually when when we're settled yeah. there. But it's the same thing for them. If they need anything, they will just go and get it where they can on the planet. There's plenty of resources. So mines are a huge point um, of interest now for me. Because I noticed that nobody's talking about that, like the minerals, that really important things, even with forestry or parks. I don't know. Norway is, is beautiful, by the way. Saw pictures on like, wow, just phenomenal. But it's always those locations that have the most sightings. You know, I'm just uh, when you said Norway is beautiful, you've seen that uh, guy to the hitchhiker. Yes. Yeah. You know, in that movie, we won an award, you know. Okay, God. it was filmed. In, God, it was filmed. Yeah, in. no, I was just. I'm just joking. God, in the movie, God makes. Uh, God makes uh, Norway gives them an award because it was. So oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It was just just a joke I, in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, uh, that's actually. I, I like that. That movie was actually really good. Um, I'm just starting to read the book now, but yeah, it's quite oh. clever. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's. Uh, 
you know, it's always the nature mountainous areas too. And this, um, this city has, has an, I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but it's, it's in a valley that has a lot of hills and mountains, mm. which again, there's, it's, it's like, there's, there's common dots now that we're starting to put together that there seems to be definitive places that you could, if you just park your butt for a little bit, you'll spot something. Hmm. And uh, it, that's very interesting because I know about the nuclear facilities and the rocket facilities. That's great. But those spots for us, uh, people that don't have access to Area 51 are hmm. good places for us to spot these things and investigate. And you're right. The hmm. faulty equipment, constant. Every, every person that, that films these things or in a, a, is a location where these things are active, all the equipment fails, no matter how much you charged the oh, battery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It could be a trusted piece of equipment that you've always had and all of a sudden it doesn't work, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. so I don't know if it's electromagnetic, you know, okay. interference or something. Yeah. yeah. Cool to that, say. yeah. We wish we had more answers than what we do. Yeah, we should. Get more yeah. So, yeah, but I was looking at this too. So, um, there was also a scientist from is it Bologna um, that also investigated this as yeah. well. So, this and you mentioned the U.S. showed up. The CIA yeah. even had um, uh, an article on what took place there. So, the CIA since the 1950s, of course, is following up on everything. But they leaked it. Of course, it's out. And I thought that was interesting because they're keeping tabs even on Norway, right? Mm -hmm. Like. You would think, okay, Russia or whatever, but the fact they're still watching you guys means they're watching everybody, right? When it comes down to crash UFOs, Norway's had none? Uh, none. None, eh? Somebody, they're, they're trying to get you now. They're trying to get yeah. you now. Yeah, yeah they're trying to get you now. Just so they'll crash UFOs and nothing in the sense of revolutionary, like nobody's, as far as you know, reverse engineering or anything like that, like, Norway is pretty much neutral, I guess, on that point, right? Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, absolutely. There is one case, but it has been de not debunked, but it has been, well, this is debunked the right word. It has been debunked uh, uh, actually from people in my or my own organization many many years ago in the nineties, okay. and that was in Svalbard. Uh, there there was a case where someone in a German newspaper said that a UFO crashed in Svalbard. It was actually just an anonymous uh, um, article in a German newspaper. So it's really old. It's a really old case. And a lot of investigation, a lot of rumors going on. But I have not done a lot of in, in inquiries into this because people in NUFOS many years ago uh, did a, an extensive research on this. And they came to the conclusion that it was, uh, that it was not true. It was just hearsay and such. Right. But that's the closest. That's the closest one we have. Yeah. Yeah, That's but it. It was even even your history of your country, though, um, uh, the the gentleman, I think it was Erling uh, Strand that said this, but yeah. he, he's, he's found uh, stories from predating the 1800s, at least one. He mm. found a few stories for in the 1800s, and then he found five stories of the 1900s of events that took place in um, uh, the city we were just mentioning in there that I keep butchering, um, uh, and Ensdalen. Uh, so he's, yeah, so he says that yeah. these these occurrences have been happening there, you know, for as far as we know, centuries. Yeah. So it's a it's a reoccurring thing. Mm -hmm. And if it's scientific, I think we would have solved it by now. Like we would have had some sort of theory, at least the yeah. fact that we don't have theories concerning. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's very, it is. It is an interesting place. It is. This, is it still active, though? 
It is, but I think it's. Uh, I think that it, there there are less sightings now than it was before. You can okay. actually go online and look up. Uh, there's a link. I don't remember the name, but you can go. You know, you can go in there and you can see every every sighting that has been occurred since the 1990s or something. Okay. And you can see some years there's like ten, and then the next year is three. I think last year is like two. So it's a very well variable. Right. Uh, so I, if you go up there, I don't think you can actually go up there and, and, and anticipate to actually see something. But uh, I, it, it's said that in the winter time, it's more common. In the winter time, in the, in the yeah. Oh, winter is more common. Oh, yeah, interesting. Apparently. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, have you noticed a cyclical pattern at all? Like, do they come in? Like, it's like every five years there's more activity, or every two years there's more activity. You know, in Hastal, no, I haven't seen no. anything like that. No, but but again, I'm not an expert. I'm not the dove in gone very deep into the Hastal habit. I'll um, yeah. I'll tell you something that I, I caught on to. But if you ever notice every decade, but whenever it falls on the seventh of the decade, so 1947, you have Kenneth Arnold, you got the crash at Roswell, right? 1957, other, 1967, other, 1977 was a huge year for Star Wars. We have Terry Lovelace abduction story. You have the, um, uh, what's his face? Well, two years prior was a uh, uh, Travis Walton incident. Uh, in the 1977, there was a bunch of Brazilians uh, that were being attacked by these orbs that were zapping them, causing them to be anemic. Two people died from that. Uh, there was a body that was found supposedly after a UFO sighting, mutilated, of course. Uh, 1987, 1997, you're looking at uh, the Phoenix Lights, right? Uh, 2017, we got the big news coming out from the New York uh, Times about the... So it's like every decade, whenever it falls on the 7th, uh, even though you got guys like John Ramirez says that in 2027, something big's happening. There's a pattern there, right? So I, I'm just saying, look into it for yourself and see if there's anything there. But I noticed that every decade, whenever it falls on the seventh, there's something big that happens. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll put a, maybe I'll write an article about that, right? Look of all the cases on that specific timeline. But even for the listeners, if you guys want to look that up and let me know what you find, that'd be great because I think I'm onto something. Okay. You heard it here first folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, as far as, as somebody who wants to do what you do and, and, and we'll, we'll talk about um, uh, new folks here in two seconds, but somebody wants to, to do what you do in Norway. Um, how do they get active? What would you recommend that they do? Become active in Norway. Yeah. As yeah. an investigator. Yeah, well, I guess uh, the first thing you have to do is contact Mufos no, Muf Muf and uh, you have to uh, become a participant. You have to pay the, the yearly sum. It's about, I don't know, $48 or something. It's not, it's not that much. Reasonable, yeah. yeah. So I guess that's what you have to do. And then you have to contact us through our email, which is, I don't remember in my head right now, but you can find it online. It's not that right. difficult. So I guess, and then you could just say, you know, you're interested, you want to contribute. You want to you want to join our meetings you you have some ideas can we talk about this can i join the the meetings that we have our yearly or two two times a year our meetings that we have when we meet in physical and just say you want to contribute and uh, we will we will be really glad glad for that but uh, yeah beautiful and oh, with yeah. with move on i know that when you want to become a field investigator like they give you a book and there is an exam like they're not 
just going to give everybody a certificate as field investigators. But do you guys have something set up like that yet? Or are you guys doing more like on hands training? They did before. They, yeah. I know they did before. I have not been to NUFAS for many years. I've only been there for one year. I know that they did this uh, prior, as a, um, early, uh, many years ago. Because what, the, the, what I've heard is that um, earlier, um, years ago, there were more sightings. People called in and had sightings, and we went out and investigated. For some reason, that's really not happening anymore. There are really not that many sightings. Okay. So we could have investig investigators, but there are so few cases mm. that we really don't need it, unfortunately. So mm. uh, when it comes to this topic, I would want to live in America. So I could, <laughs> there would be a lot more, a lot more action going on over here. Yeah, yeah for sure. exactly. A lot more action going on. Not that much in Norway, unfortunately. So yeah, you could become a field investigator. Absolutely. But I cannot, you know, we cannot promise that you're actually going to get a lot of action. So say it that way <laughs> not, yeah exactly it's not it's not tinder for ufos let's no, just put it that no, way no uh, no it's not a hot spot yeah <laughs> i was talking i was talking with a gentleman and he uh he's he lives in south korea he was mufon he says korea has absolutely yeah. no reports they yeah. never see ufos in korea and mm -hmm. i'm like how is that possible they're seen everywhere he goes not here no so then you have to, and then you start to thinking: Is that a quality sign, or is it not a quality sign? Yeah, good point. <laughs> is that a good thing, or is that a bad thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's either know. they're leaving them alone, or they're not yeah. paying attention, or I don't know. But I thought it was weird because you think, and and I I mentioned that to him too. Like if you're South Korea, you're watching out North Korea like all the time, right? So you're watching yeah, your yeah. sky in case there's any rockets. Yeah, that's true. But he says no, there's nothing. Oh. How's that possible? It can ha can have it can have to do with it can be stigma it can all it can just be stigma and and it can also be that there are just few few sightings and few you know going on over there but it can also be just stigma because when you look up at the sky and you see something weird and you're not interested in this topic and nobody else is talking about it yeah. the only people that's talking about it are people you look at as fringe or no I don't want to hear about it so I guess when you see something. And you you don't want to see it, you just ignore it, I guess. Uh, so I think there are people who do that as well. They see something and it's really weird, but they go like, what am I going to do with this information? Well, who am I going to contact? Who, who am I going to talk to? And then they choose to just go, no, it never happened. So I think there that happens also here in Norway. And it's probably in South Korea as well. Like cultural appropriation or cultural... You know, because we have a, uh, where I live here, we have a huge Punjabi population, a huge Cantonese and, and Mandarin population as well. Like we're talking in like, you know, millions. But the problem is, is that when I spoke with a, a lady who's local and she does uh, hypnotherapy for people that have had alien abductions, she has Punjabi clients. She has people from uh, Mandarin or, or Cantonese, but they never talk to their families about what mm. they have. They only talk to her. So they're suffering because it's, if I equate it to, you know, when the Me Too movement happened, imagine if you're a Me Too victim and nobody believes you and nobody wants to hear it, mm, right? Yeah. And, and it keeps happening to you, but nobody cares, right? Mm. It's the equivalent of that. People think, oh, no, you're going through extremes. Like, no, it's not. If you're in a home and something takes you from your home and does something to you somewhere else, you just got violated, Right. Uh, yeah. You can't call the cops. You're not going to call the military. And like, who do you tell? It's it's a yeah. lonely life. These people wake yeah. up 
and have to go to work the next morning and face their coworkers. And like, they live a double life. Mm-hmm. This is the part that my heart, like, I mean, John Mack was a huge influence on me and his heart, his compassion is what I want to do. Like it's, you have to hear them out, even if they may be delusional or mentally ill, they're still suffering. Something happened to cause a post-traumatic stress and it is post-traumatic stress. You could prove it by their mannerisms, the way they live. Like there's something caused that to happen. Now, whether it's a mental illness or psychedelic experience or who knows what, but if it's real, if this is really happening to them, then these people need help. Like, exactly. Asa, right? Yeah, it's it's really horrifying if it really if it is true, which I, I I'm leaning towards it's being true. It's just horrendous how you know you what do you do? I mean, you know, can you imagine having that experience yeah. and no one to talk to? Oh, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. I, I saw this. It was a, it's a bit it's funny but sad at the same time. I saw this guy who, who was interviewed and he said he was abducted by aliens, but he was kind of very down to earth. So he was like looking in the camera and going like, "They're criminals. They're criminals." Yeah. That was. Funny because it's funny and sad because you never hear that word. But, he but was it's like, good. It's refreshing. They went yeah. into my home. They took me. They were criminals. And I was like, yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, you know, let's go to war. Everything's evil. That's not what I'm saying. But clearly, if someone's being abducted from their home, it's not okay. You got to address that. According to our laws, I mean, if if yeah. I was to break into your home, take you out of your home, do medical experiments on you, bring you back. I just committed like a huge felony, right? Like I'd be going to prison, Uh, but you can't do anything about something that nobody believes is happening in the first place. Exactly, exactly. Um, And that's also very interesting because I have a friend uh, that I I met at a soul conference. Yeah, at soul. And he was like, he had, he started this organization called Unhidden, I think. Yeah, unhidden.org or something. Okay. And he talked about exactly that thing because he was trying to get psychiatrists to get into this group and talk about this you know if this happens what and, and, and if disclosure happens who's going to talk to people who's going to say yeah you know nhi are here uh, mm. s- some people not necessarily you and me but are going to take this very bad not many not and i'm not saying it's going to be chaos as everyone but but some people are going to take this very bad who are they going to talk to if no psychiatrists are even in on this and they're right. as scared as you, or they're as, you know, their, their minds are blown. Who are they going to talk to? So that's a very smart idea about talking to psychiatrists, getting them into the topic, and maybe like, okay, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but what if it is? How yeah. would you talk to clients coming into you after disclosure or people who have been abducted? So it's very interesting. I really like that idea that he has. So he's trying to contact psychi- psychiatrists. So if anyone's psychiatrist wanting to get into this, you need to look to Unhidden. He's in England though, yeah. Yeah, and you're but right. It's like, really right. interesting. Yeah, it it because and, and, that, and that's something they talked about also at the the not the soul, but yeah. Unfortunately, I I mix those two now. Unfortunately, the unhidden man. I met him at the Echo conference in Paris, but at the Soul conference, I was also there, and it was really interesting because they kept talking about the platform being laid out and being ready for disclosure and i think that's really interesting as well because if if there's going to be disclosure if it's disclosure is happening if it's going to happen the platform has to be somewhat in order it has to be laid out you know all the you have to have a game plan yeah you have to have a game plan like what's going to happen so i really like that idea and there's a lot of talk about that at the soul foundation what what is this 
what does this mean and what kind of platforms do we have to have in place for this to happen to, for make so we can make this a good process right. that's something right. i'm really interested in like how do we how do we make this a good platform and so it will be a good process and not a catastrophic one as they would well, like to say on Twitter. teamwork to make the dream work like it's yeah, an expression right like you have to work as a team was yeah. there anything like in their plan like do they mention anything on the abduction or entity interactions that people are having though is that at all on the agenda at the soul uh, the soul foundation yeah it was not at the agenda at all but okay. the funny but the funny thing was that jack valet he went up and he was like <clears throat> The abduction. What about that? So it's a bit. It was a bit. Uh, I awkward. love Jacques. Yeah. It was a bit awkward because he was just asking a question, and like you said, he when he starts talking, he talks a lot. So I could see everyone was like, "Okay, Jacques, you've now talked for five minutes. It was just going to be a question." But he, it's his passion, and he's really interested in it. So it was really nice to hear him talk about it. But he was raising up his hand and going, "Well, it's not everything about this is nice, you know, disclosure, the military, uh, all of these kinds of things. But what about deductions? You haven't mentioned it with one word." Yeah. And uh, but I remember, I think it was Carl Nell who said that you know you have to start, you have to start at one point. Yeah. I, he was kind of like, we're not dismissing it, but we have to start at the right place. And that's, and that's right. You know, you, you have to start the first stop, uh, first step and stepping stone. You can't go into Congress, you know, abductions, you go, uh, you go, uh, conf uh military, um, uh, interests or, uh, national threat. That's what you do. That's where you start off. Yeah. So he was trying to start with the fear, fear factor and yeah. then work your way down. Right. Yeah. But so. it's it's weird too because, I mean, in MUFON had statistics that one in maybe ten people that witness something will submit a report to an agency like yours or MUFON or whatever. But that's mm -hmm. only one out of ten people that have sightings. Yeah. Roper poll in the nineteen nineties in the states um, had come up with that they thought that about um, two percent of the world's population. Are abductees hmm. that's a that's shitload of people yeah i and hope it, that's not true that's a lot yeah but you know they're saying like one out of every 50 people this is back in the 90s so he said one out of every 50 people is an abductee one out of 50 so that means if you're in a bus full of people every bus in the world if you were to put everybody in the bus every bus in the world would have somebody that's an abductee but now we have to factor in that this was taken in a 1990s Roper poll, right? It's a lot more people would probably be a lot more honest now. So we're probably looking maybe closer to 2% or, or two people out of every bus, if you will, um, that are part of be more than 2%. But it's, uh, it's two people out of every bus, if you will, that are abductees. That's a huge deal. That is huge, right? I hope that's True. That's a lot of people. I don't think if it happens, I don't think everybody remembers it though. Do you think that many people would remember no. it? No, no, they're good at what they do. They, no. the thing is, if they've been around for centuries or millennia, they know the light spectrum that we can see. So they operate outside of it, right? Um, if they know what frequencies we can hear, they operate outside of it. You don't want to be seen. You don't want to be heard. Operate outside the boundaries of what the animal can actually see, right? Uh, it's equivalent to a mole, like a mole doesn't have eyes or ears, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? The mole doesn't know that we're here. The mole doesn't know that we're setting traps for it, yeah. right? 
It's the equivalent of that. It's just we have to lower our egos and we have to lower the level of intellect that we think we have as a species. We're not at the top. We're at the bottom of the totem pole. And the sooner we wrap our heads around that, the sooner we can progress and understand where we're going. I'm not saying that we're stupid. We got brilliant people doing brilliant things on the planet. But respectively, globally, we're a bunch of idiots. You know, there's a lot more idiots than there are smart people. I always say that the difference is at least 80% of the world's population aren't the smartest light bulbs uh, or the brightest light bulbs. Um, but that's a, that's an issue is that it's the human condition also that we have to look at. It's not just what's happening objectively, what's happening subjectively. When the two merge together, you get a synchronicity, locks everything in together. I mean, this is why you and me do what we do because mm -hmm. both of them clicked in. But most people, they don't have that. They're not on the radar yet. Um, hopefully that makes sense what I'm saying. Sometimes I just babble on, but um, you know, this is the important part. It's, it's that we need to humble ourselves, especially when it comes down to the subject. I don't see that enough. Jacques Vallée, like I said, I'm just, cause he's humble, right? As many books as he's written, as much knowledge, everybody looks up to him. He's not Mr. Arrogant. He's like, I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. suspend judgment. Yeah. Like he's a rarity. Like nobody's like that. Jeremy Corbell's not like that. Stephen Greer is not like that. Like it's it's you need to be humble and, and understand yeah. that I, you know, we don't know everything. Yeah, that's true. We uh, we don't know, and it's going to be really exciting to see where if we're gonna find out. I believe we're gonna find out. It's gonna be really exciting. Yeah. Hey, fingers crossed. Um, yeah. if anybody wants to find you, Renata, where where can we find you online? Where can the listeners look you up? I guess um, just on Twitter. Yeah. So it's my name, Ariane, A-T-E, underline. Is that the right word? I, I believe you do have an underline in there. Yeah. yeah. And an F and an E. That's me. Yeah. 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 So what I'll do is I'll, I'll uh, add your uh, Twitter link to the episode description as well. So then people can find you there uh, too. And then if, if they need to contact you, it's one way. But if you live in Norway, uh, you speak English and you listen to this podcast and you want to get involved, please contact Renata or uh, NUFOS, of course, uh, which is spelled N-U-F-O-S. Uh, yeah. It is important that you get off the couch and that you help out. This is 2024. It's not time to be couch investigators anymore. Uh, you know, and then going on Twitter and then saying your piece, you got to be active. You got to get out there. And and this is what Spockass is all about, is, is to motivate myself and others to do that what yeah. you do, of course, but I thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm recording two interviews today and I was really looking forward to this too, because I don't have a lot of people like England, France, that's one thing, but never somebody from Sweden or Norway or anything like that. Right. Yeah. So it's great to cover every, every country. Uh, yeah. I appreciate your time. Please let's have you back on again. Uh, we are going to do some panels uh, this year as well. It'd be great to get you on one of these panels. Oh yeah. I like yeah. to argue. So that, let's, let's, oh, yeah. get, let's find a topic. Well, I bring like. it on. Bring <laughs> it on. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye.